So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name is Ben Hartley, and we're talking about some really exciting stuff today with the sole purpose of helping you grow your business. Let, let's, let's get that out of the way right up front. If you're listening to this podcast, that means that you're dedicated to growing your business. Uh, I'm, I'm like, there's no time for fluff today. We're going to be talking about this concept of value-based pricing, value pricing. What is this thing? Like, how does value pricing work? Exactly what is it? And why does it differ from hourly pricing or like fixed-based pricing collections, packages, uh, that kind of stuff? And this is a fascinating conversation to have uh, in any industry. Uh, I think particularly within the service industry with with, uh, with photographers, it's it's a really revolutionary concept. And maybe we'll discover from talking to Jonathan Stark that it's not that revolutionary. I don't know. But we got Jonathan Stark with us today. Jonathan is a former software developer who is now on a mission to rid the world of hourly bidding. All right, everyone, I got to take a quick break here uh, to let you guys know about something that is coming up. It's relatively urgent. It's coming up October 24th through the 26th, and I need you to pay attention because at the end of this, I've got a promo code that will get you free registration for it. Uh, here's the deal. I go to a lot of conferences. I go to a lot of workshops, uh, all that kind of jazz. And it's important. It's so important because you've established a solid career, but these days, like, it's tough. It's hard to actually shine out among the growing competition. You've got to keep evolving your game. What are you doing to stay up to the latest trends, technologies, techniques to continue to stay competitive? You guys, there's a thing I'm going to tell you about called Photo Plus. All right, you can get the full spectrum, the full picture at PhotoPlus. It's a three-day photography and videography event that is going to expose you to, uh, to everything you need to improve your business and then hone your craft. One of my favorite things about it is, yes, you've got all like the gear stuff, right? You, so you get to try it. You get to get your hands on the latest gear on all the manufacturers to connect these people, hear practical tips, tricks about how to use this equipment. But one of my favorite things is that uh, all these interactive sessions, all of the all of the education, the training, it is held by experts 
at, at the exhibitor booth, like directly in the booth. You don't have to register for classes and go to these different classes. You get to be in the same space as the exhibitors and learn right there. And the topics are vast. So they're going to cover everything from lighting, composition, design, uh, like image capture, retouching, storage, uh, my favorite thing, better promotion of yourself and your work. And this will set the scene to expand your industry network and connections with peers and other creative leaders. I know a lot of wedding photographers listen, but no matter what your specialty is, if you're a wedding photographer, if you're a portrait photographer, if you're a videographer, like you're going to gain access to a full spectrum of technical and tactical knowledge to put into action. I say this all the time on the podcast, but your competition continues to elevate. Take the time to invest into yourself, into your craft, and your business will thank you for it. All right? So this event, it's Photo Plus, okay? Photo Plus is going to be 2019, October 24th through the 26th. Photo Plus 2019, October 24th through the 26th at Javits Convention Center, New York, New York. All right, this is what you need to know. Pay attention. You need to go to this website, photoplusexpo.com, and then use the promo code, all capitals on this promo code, six figure, S-I-X, F-I-G-U-R-E, six figures. Spell it that six, you guys. All right, so photoplusexpo.com, P-H-O-T-O, expo, E-X-P-O. I'm sorry, photoplusexpo, P-H-O-T-O, plus, P-L-U-S, expo, E-X-P-O.com. Use the promo code six figure and you will get registration for free. It's a no-brainer. I will see you guys there. If you're going to attend, do me a favor, DM me. Shoot me a DM on Instagram and let me know that you're attending. You use this code to get the free access to it. And I can't wait to see you guys there. At that note, let's get back to the show. If you've been sending out your estimates, if you've been sending out invoices that are like hourly rate, $100, 10 hours, it's 1000 Jonathan believes that's a little crazy. He's the author of Hourly Billing is Nuts. He's the host of the Ditching uh, of Ditching Hourly. I was going to say the Ditching Hourly podcast. He's the host of Ditching Hourly, and he writes a daily newsletter on pricing for independent professionals. Jonathan Stark, I got to pick your brain, my man. What are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. Sounds great. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. This has been a concept, Jonathan, that is just – it's a pattern. It keeps showing up in my life, the conversation around value, pricing, and uh, and so I I'm just excited to have another opportunity to wrestle with it. And wrestling, I am. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, photographers who are tuned in right now that are maybe have piqued their curiosity a little bit. They're like, "What? How other way is there? Right. <laughs> if it's not hourly, what else is there?" But um, Jonathan, before we get into all of that, I mean, how did you end up finding yourself into this niche of? of working with independent professionals. Let's go with just that to start. Sure. So I used to be a software developer for for a long time, uh, over a decade. And I started, uh, I guess my first, my first mm, call it experience with hourly billing was as the VP of a boutique software firm in Atlanta. And at a certain point, I recognized that our best employee who we paid the highest salary was we're probably losing money on or maybe breaking even. And our most junior developer who we paid quite a bit less about half of the, the lead developer's salary was 
making us tons of money. He was slow and uh, needed to do things over again where the, the lead developer was fast and did things once. Uh, but both of them had happy customers and it, it was, and I was just like, no, this isn't, there's something wrong here. There, we shouldn't be making way more money from, from a sort of intern level skill set when we've got this, you know, guy who was so good that we were lucky to even have him. He could have worked wherever he wanted and we we're basically breaking even on him. It didn't make any sense to me. And so I sort of went off into the desert and researched and, and thought about it. And it, it took <laughs> me like, days. yeah, exactly. It, it took me like two weeks to even start to question that hourly billing was the root of the issue. And as soon as I recognized that the light bulb went on and I, I just couldn't go back. So uh, I went solo. Uh, I discovered this thing called value-based pricing, and I implemented that in my own solo consultancy. Continued doing software development like that, and it was a complete life changer. I mean, it was overnight. I doubled my income. I my, but more importantly, my quality of life was dramatically better. No more thinking about hours, arguing about hours, tracking hours, logging hours, uh, debating hours entries with clients, and uh, instead. We were just, my clients and I were just focused on the goal. What are we trying to achieve here? Let's get it done as quickly as we can, the highest possible quality and, or, you know, the reasonable level of quality for whatever it was we were building. And, you know, the faster it was done, the better. Everybody was happy. So it, it was a, co a complete game changer. That's awesome. Jonathan, I'm going to throw in the dark here a little bit. And because um, and, I want to get to what on earth this actually is, mm -hmm. what this looks like. I, I want to get straight into the meat of this. You know, sometimes I dance, you know, it's not that I dance around, but sometimes on episodes of the podcast, I'm just like, oh yeah, we can just chill. There's like, there is no time. There's zero time for chill. I've got no chill in me today. So <laughs> I've seen, there was a, there was a tweet that went viral. I believe it was a tweet. It could have been an Instagram post or something. Who knows? There was this, there's this kid. Uh, I, I couldn't even tell you who it was. Maybe it was a tattoo artist. Most likely it was a graphic designer. Um, um, but he said something along the lines of, so let me get this straight. I've, you know, worked, uh, I developed all my time and energy. I spent all this time and energy developing my craft in order to get the job done uh, for you. Uh, I'm trying to even remember how this goes. And he was, he was saying something along the lines of, so if I can get you from point A to point B uh, faster um, with, you know, with less hiccups along the way, with less kind of, uh, let's say headache. Um, I can't charge as much as someone who's going to like belabor the point and go back and forth and iterations. And they're going to get paid more because, uh, they're going to be billing hourly. Like you're going to, you're going to suggest that I'm not as valuable because I'm going to be so fast with it. It was something along those lines. Does that yeah. ring any bells for you? Oh you, yeah. Yeah. Is absolutely. this what this whole concept is about? Right. I mean, think about it. I mean, tattoo is a great example. I've never come across that one. I mean, how do you, how do you fix that? It seems like a real, a real pain and well, literal pain, you know, would you rather, <laughs> right? Would you, would you rather have your tattoo artist take a long time or less time? Yes. Def definitely less. I mean, FedEx rush service, it costs more. And anybody who's ever had work done in their house, is, this is a great example too, where it's like, would you rather have the crew there for six months or six days? You'd rather have but them then, be there for six days. And so a lot of in, independent professionals, well, in this situation specifically, let's say, you know, photographers or creatives, mm -hmm. we're actually in a way billing on the opposite. We're saying, hey, the longer you have us, the more it's going to cost you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, why? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and and well, let's let's can I run? Let's. Let I'm push slow, back. so let I cost wrestle. more. <laughs> so well, you know, it's like my it's maybe okay. So Jonathan, mm-hmm. I uh, I'm a classically trained oil painter, right? Okay. So classically trained oil painter, like some real old master shenanigans, like like these old master techniques. A lot of my paintings, you know, they would take let's say a hundred hours. And so I'm going to wrestle with you a little bit with this live, if that's Mm -hmm. cool. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not even saying that I buy into this. I don't know. I'm just going to start throwing ideas and examples out there. A lot of my pieces, let's say they tend to take a hundred hours, which they typically do. Mm -hmm. Right. And in a lot of ways, I, I am, my gut says I want to charge more for that. That takes a hundred hours. You know, let's say it's a five foot canvas. Then, then maybe a a smaller piece that's going to be, you know, it's going to take me 10 hours. Right. Right. at what point is this kind of the line drawn? And maybe this is where we need to pull back a little and define how value pricing actually works. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're describing is a cost-based model, cost-based mm. pricing model, where you're thinking about yourself, you're thinking about your costs, you're thinking about the price of your materials, how much you have to spend for paint. Um, some people even start to wrestle with the idea of like, well, what about the 10,000 hours I put in getting this good? You know, and they, and they, you know, that, the the what you're thinking there is like well it cost me this much to make this thing therefore you owe me buyer at least this much and so you'll set your price based on your cost and then you go out you know maybe however you put it in a gallery or you go to shows or whatever you do put it online and try and sell it the usual approach and and the reaction that you get is like people kind of like, eh, well, I don't know if it's really worth that much. And the, the creator or the person selling it thinks like, like my, they're devaluing my craft and all this time and expertise I put into it. And there's this sort of, this sort of like crankiness that takes place because these clients (laughs) don't understand how much expertise went into this. I mean, you see this in software development. Oh yeah. And you're very, you're very kind when you say just a crankiness. That was very gentle (laughs) of you, Jonathan. Just the suggestion that it's mere crankiness. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for that. I appreciate your, your, you're so sensitive. Okay. Keep going. I'm with you. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, literally. Well, so, so think of it, think of it. I think it helps to talk about it outside of your industry because it's less emotional. Please. So the, here's a, a quick story. So the other day I was, we were spring cleaning, cleaning out the basement and we have a broken ice maker in the basement. It was, you know, I paid probably 125 bucks for it. It worked for a while. It stopped working. Uh, so I put it out on the sidewalk, uh, for, you know, like Craigslist free cycle curb alert and somebody came and took it. I don't know what they were going to do with it, but here's the thing, a certain amount of, of time and energy and materials went into creating the ice maker in the first place. And the working version of the ice maker was worth, you know, 125 bucks to me. So we spent the money, got the thing, used it for a while. Uh, it ended up breaking. There's just as much time and materials there, but is Mm -hmm. now no longer worth anything to me. And I gave it away for free. Because the thing that I needed, I don't need the time that was put into the ice maker and I don't need the materials that were put into the ice maker. I need the ice. And when it stopped creating ice, the value went from $125 to me or, or above to zero. So I just gave it away. The time didn't change. The materials didn't change. The fact that it didn't make ice anymore is the thing. The result that it was supposed to deliver for me was worth $125 to me, not the time and materials that went into it. So someone buying a painting, to bring it back to your example, doesn't care how long it took you to make it. They don't care what materials you used. They don't care how much it cost. They care about the result that they're going to get. 
So that begs the question, what result does someone get from owning a piece of your artwork? That is the scary question. (laughs) If the answer is nothing, then it's worth nothing. And of course, all of the people who, you know, not everyone in the world is going to value uh, a particular painting, but some people are. And, you know, and this is painting is an interesting, you know, I, I assume we're talking about B2C, like you're selling to consumers, not to like, exactly. Okay. Not to like, you know, a lobby of a, a building or, you know, enterprise sales or something like that. So if you can find someone who would value the outcome that, you know, they, they would feel a particular way about having this piece of artwork in their home or office, then you can charge based on how they're going to feel about it. So that sounds super woo-woo, I realize, but that is how we buy virtually everything in our lives. You look at a, you know, I just came from Starbucks. My coffee is worth more than $5 to me. Why? Not because of how much work went into it or how long it took to get the beans to Providence, Rhode Island and grind them and the salaries and the lights in the Starbucks. No, it's worth it because it's worth it. Like when I drink it, I'm like, man, this is worth five bucks or whatever I spent. I don't even know. Sure. So I don't, I don't necessarily care about how much it costs Starbucks to create it. When your buyers start to care about the cost, you know, how much time went into this, how much, how much did you spend on materials? What they're trying to do is justify what they see as a price that's too high for what it's worth to them. They're trying to help themselves justify the price, but really it doesn't matter. That's not what they want to think about. What they want to think about is how is this going to make me feel when I sit down, when I have a party in my house and people come over for, you know, for dinner and they see this beautiful piece of artwork, how, what story does that tell about me? How does that make me feel? How does that make them feel? What conversations are going to crop up around that? That's what they're paying for. Hmm. So then is what I'm hearing you then suggest is, you know, I'm, I'm imagining people are driving their car right now, fellow photographers, maybe even artists, gripping the wheel with clenched, you know, knuckles white and uh, screaming, but, but I spent 100 hours on it instead of 10. And so, you know, my question then is, is the, is the, is the question of time more of the responsibility on you? Uh, having a viable business model versus something that gets factored into the passed on to the client. Did I express exactly. that yes, properly? Yes, you did. Yeah. It's like yeah. you've got to take responsibility for the time that you're spending. Maybe you shouldn't spend $100, $100 on the time. Uh, maybe you shouldn't spend $100 on an oil painting that only holds the value of, let's say, $300 of, of value to someone is, is where they're kind of uh, being sold at. Exactly. And and so now you've got to own that. Right. So, so for example, my wife is an avid knitter. She teaches knitting classes. Okay. You can't make a living knitting. I mean, if, <laughs> if you're just selling sweaters, you can't, I mean, my eyes are, are, have been opened to the cost of like a cashmere sweater and a Nordstrom being 350 bucks. Like that seemed like a lot for a sweater to me. You can barely get the yarn for that much. Never mind the 80 hours mm. of making the thing and making it fit and then making it in five sizes. So different size people can wear it. I mean, it's, it's crazy. If you look at it, like, if you look at it like that, you know, it's not worth your time. It's, it's not for certain people, it's not worth their time. So you have to ask yourself, what am I delivering here? What, you know, am I creating a story for people to latch onto? Does this resonate with someone? Is this painting meaningful to them in some way? And, you know, this is why, you know, whatever Van Gogh or Picasso, you're not buying the, 
you're not buying like a canvas with some, you know, with $20 of paint on it. You're buying the story. You're buying the, the, you know, you're buying the experience of having people come to your house or putting it in a gallery and having your name on it as the owner or whatever. And, or the Banksy thing that happened last year that was so hilarious. <laughs> yeah. When you talk about the treading. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Do you want to share that story in case anybody is not familiar with it just briefly? Uh, sure. I quickly, I don't know how, if I'll do it justice, but the idea was that, um, Banksy, who's a street artist, uh, painted, I guess he painted a, a painting on a canvas and it was in this very chunky, unusual looking frame. And somehow it was set. He had some sort of, I don't know, cell phone remote access to it so that, uh, when it came up, for, I, I think the deal was he would sell it to someone, but you could never resell it or auction it off or something. And so the person did auction it off and somehow he must've been in the audience, he or she, I don't know if it's, if it's a guy or a girl, uh, triggered the frame to shred the painting after when it sold at auction and it sold for tons of money. And now it will sell for more money the next time this half shredded painting because there's this <laughs> giant story around it. Same thing with Paul Newman actor, uh, had a, a, a Rolex. It was a cheap, you know, for Rolex, it was a cheap Rolex, not very expensive Rolex. And he, uh, but he was filmed wearing it and fo- photos were taken of him wearing it constantly for like 10 years. He wore it in movies and everything. So mm-hmm. it became a famous watch. And that model, which was actually kind of a, kind of a, you know, redheaded stepchild of the, of the watch industry of the Rolex line, uh, people were basically uh, dealers were selling it for half price and that sort of thing. Over over the course of the 80s and early 90s, it became famous. The watch became mm. famous. Eventually, Paul Newman passed away, and uh, a family friend ended up with a watch, sold it at auction for $15 million. Why? Because of the story. Because now someone owns it and can say, this, this isn't just a Paul Newman Rolex. This is Paul Newman's Paul Newman Rolex. And that means something to someone who has gobs of money to spend on luxury watches. So how do we, how do we do two things either? And then maybe this is the same question, but how do we build story into our product or service mm-hmm. or slash, and this, maybe it's the same question, but or how do we understand the story that our, our potential client wants? Mm, great question. So the first thing, first possible way to do it is to decide who you want to paint for, who you want to take photos for. Are you going to be a celebrity wedding photographer? Are you going to uh, shoot same-sex weddings? Are you going to uh, specialize in political photography or painting? What What is your specialty? Who are, you, who are you trying to serve? What's your mission? What's your big idea? What's your worldview, your voice? You know, as we get, as we get closer to the artist level, I think it's, you know, I think fairly obvious that you need to have a point of view and a voice and that sort of a thing. Um, but even when you're doing something like a wedding, uh, I, I think that there's still, I mean, what if Annie Leibovitz shot your wedding? Do you think she'd charge by the hour? No, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, I maybe <laughs> if she, she should call me if that's her plan. But if you, if you have a famous, if you're famous, then it just changes the game because when people hire you, they get to say they had Annie Leibovitz shoot their wedding. That says something about the status of the person who's speaking. So Annie Leibovitz wasn't born famous photographer Annie Leibovitz. She cultivated that. Maybe there was some luck, maybe there wasn't, but she put herself in situations where she could shoot the Rolling Stones and so on and so forth. And she became a famous photographer. 
And now that's the story that someone can tell when they hire her. That's a big deal. So, you know, and it doesn't happen by magic. She did that on purpose. So, so what does this process of inquiry look like, uh, you know, with, with a client, like this kind of, uh, value conversation of understanding. I mean, I'm just trying, I'm thinking practically on this, like, how do you actually have this conversation about price when it's not fixed? Well, first, first thing I'll say fixed is okay too. We, you, you actually earlier, you mentioned like hourly billing and fixed price sure. and value pricing. Value pricing is a way to set a fixed price. It is still a fixed Okay. Price. Okay. So help me understand that a little bit more. Can you, can you break those terms down a little bit? Sure. So hourly billing, I think everyone understands you have a rate and you say, you know, for this amount of money, I'll show up and do this, you know, I'll shovel dirt for you, dig holes, whatever. Sure. Uh, I'll do this thing for you. I'll wash your car for 50 bucks an hour. So that's pretty straightforward. Usually you give the people an estimate up front. Hopefully you stick to the estimate. If you don't, they might freak out, um, so on and so forth. Uh, fixed pricing is usually what people do is they think, well, it'll probably take me this much time. And I usually would like to get, you know, a hundred dollars an hour for my time. So it'll be a thousand dollars. Uh, and that's their f- fixed price, but it's a cost based price. They're thinking about themselves and not thinking about the benefits to the buyer. You know, the making the ice, they don't care. I don't care about having an ice maker. I don't care about having a photographer following me around for a hundred bucks an hour. I want an outcome. I want the ice. So the value model is you're, you're planning to give them a fixed price, but you want to base it on the value to them. So you have to find out why they want a photographer. Why do you, and it seems obvious in a wedding, but really you could ask that question. Why do you, why, why not have your friends shoot this? Everyone there is going to have an iPhone. Why don't you just do a collage of all, you know, have like a, have like a hashtag and everybody sends them to Instagram. You create like a photo book later. Like why even bother hiring someone expensive like me to do it? Sure. And I I would have what I would call a why conversation with them to kind of talk them out of hiring you. And if they, if you can't, if you say, well, there are all these other options. Why don't you do these other things instead? The cheap things. And if they say, well, no, we don't want that. This is an important day. We want, we want these memories to be captured in a particular way. We, you know, we want to look the way that you do things. You end up, you, you, they end up talking themselves into the reasons why they should hire you instead of you trying to convince them that that's what they should do. Hmm. So you're literally challenging them on, on why they're considering going this route mm-hmm. instead of a cheaper alternative. Yep. Why this? Why now? And why me? Why now? Why this? Why now? Why me? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So why hire a professional photographer at all? Why, why do that? Why not just do something, you know, some newfangled thing, some get this iPhone app for all of your people in the party and well, who knows, have drones flying around, whatever, whatever somebody <laughs> might do these days to shoot a wedding sure. and try and talk them out of it. You don't want to, why are you going to spend 10,000 bucks with me or 50,000 bucks with me when you could just get this app for all your, you know, all of your uh, guests well, you know, we don't want to do that because then that would be distracting them from actually enjoying the party and, you know, all of these reasons. So, okay. Yeah. Those are good reasons. Now, normally with a software project, I'll ask like, why do this now with a wedding? And there's obviously there's a deadline, so it's, it's, <laughs> which is great for, for a wedding photographer because it's always urgent versus yes. like boudoir or seniors. I mean, I guess seniors has a little bit of a timeline too, but you know, portrait photography in general doesn't have a deadline where a wedding does. So that one is automatically, you know, box checked. When's the wedding? Well, it's, it's in June. Jeez. Okay. Um, and then the last thing is, is why would you get someone expensive like me when you could just get someone cheap? 
you know, and you could probably uh, suggest to them, well, there's a bunch of really cheap amateur photographers around here. Why don't you hire one of those? <laughs> oh, well, my, you know, because I know for because I, I work with photographers a fair bit. And I know that there's this sort of same race to zero of, you know, anybody, it's the barrier to entry is pretty low. Anybody can get a website set up pretty cheaply. And, you know, you just like, <laughs> you're in competition with amateurs. And I know that photographers get really angry about this. I've gone to photography conferences. I see them <laughs> complaining about it. And, and on the one hand, I understand, but on the other hand, what's really so different about you that's meaningful to your buyers. Like you might look at some amateurs photos and be like, those are terrible. I should hmm. do way better than that. But someone like me, who is not a student of photography, half the time I can't tell the difference between what a photographer would consider a good or bad photo. And that means that if I, if I can't tell the difference between A and B, I'm going to go with the cheaper one. Why wouldn't I? Hmm. But yeah. if there's something different about you that's meaningful, for, for example, you're famous or you shot some, you shot the bride's, uh, you know, the bride is, the bride is a celebrity and you shot, um, her celebrity friend's wedding or something like that. There's a trust built up in you because you did something that not every amateur down the street has done. You've been featured in magazines. Every, you know, you maybe you're not famous yet, but they saw this spread and like, well, geez, if good housekeeping hired or, you know, modern bride hired this, this person to do this like five page spread, if they're good enough to be trusted by this magazine, then they're good enough to be trusted by me. And, you know, you just start, um, uh, you start going to, uh, you try to attract people who have a bigger budget. So you, that's another approach is if someone has a lot of money, they care less about, um, the, the value of an individual dollar, let's say. So if, you know, if, uh, Warren Buffett, like 10 bucks is worth different to Warren Buffett than it's worth to me or you or mm -hmm. my son. Mm -hmm. Like if my eight, nine year old son found a $10 bill, he'd be like, no way. If Warren Buffett <laughs> has a $10 bill, he probably wouldn't bend over to pick it up. He'd be like, no, it's probably some kind of trap. You know, it's a, tra it's a trap. He probably wouldn't bend yeah. over to pick up a hundred dollar bill. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he would, but the point is like $10 is worth something different to every different person. So if, if you want to charge, you know, $75,000 for a wedding, then you're going, you, you're not going to be advertising in particular places. You are going to be advertising in other places. You are going to be showing up at conferences like this and trade shows like this. And you're not going to be, you know, sort of, uh, hanging out with the rabble of amateurs. So you're investing your time in uh, really a couple of things. Like, yeah, you got to you have to be able to do your craft, of course, but that's not a differentiator. It's not big enough because because untrained eyes can't tell the difference. So what yeah. you need, and everyone's awesome in 2019. It's just like everything looks. It better look good, otherwise you're not going to be in business. At yeah, all. that's table like, stakes. No. Yeah, exactly. Yep. There needs to be there needs to be some. You need to have some kind of audience. You need to target that audience. Uh, you can specialize in that audience. You might as well shoot for people who, you know, for wedding photography, you might as well shoot for rich people. I mean, what do they care about? What are they, what stories are they telling themselves? How can I appeal to that kind of a buyer? What, what do, what needs to be there to appeal to that kind of a buyer that will differentiate me from the undifferentiated masses of other people who are just generalists?
Look, we're going to stay on theme here and keep talking about giving you guys solutions for all the things that are terrible to do. Um, so do you guys remember when you started your small business, right? Like it was no small fee. Uh, you're spending uh, late nights, early mornings, the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, uh, ever since then, you've been insanely busy, right? And so one of the biggest challenges uh, is invoicing and it's accounting, Right. Let's make things a little bit easier in 2019. Our friends at FreshBooks have a solution. FreshBooks, this is invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for you as small business owners. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds. And then the best part is uh, get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. Uh, I love that part. File expenses even quicker. Uh, keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part is this. Like, as your business continues to grow, which it will in 2019, let's be honest, you're going to always have the tools that you need when you need them without ever having to like figure out or learn all this accounting shenanigans, right? So you guys... 24 million people are using FreshBooks. Try it out for 30 days free. There's no credit card required. There's no catch. Uh, go to freshbooks.com forward slash photography, freshbooks.com forward slash photography, and then enter six-figure photography in the section where it asks, how did you hear about FreshBooks, right? Make sure you get that part down. When it asks, how did you hear about FreshBooks, enter six-figure photography, you're going to get your first 30 days free. I'm excited for you guys to check out FreshBooks. All right, let's get back to the show. So I got some follow-up questions. I got some practical follow-up questions. It's just kind of pushed around here. I want to bring this, you know, as practically as I can to the photographers who are listening, give them the biggest takeaway. So what would it look like to to do like this hybrid where you you've you have <laughs> we'll see what you think about this, Jonathan. Value-based pricing by the hour. Meaning you've you've kind of uh, you understand the value of your hours. Maybe maybe it's seven hundred dollars or something like that. So that way, the it's at least a means to get somewhere close. But it's not like you're charging you know fifty bucks an hour, or even a hundred dollars an hour. Is that is that also is that ludicrous or is that get us in the same problem? It's it's got a bunch of it raises a bunch of interesting problems. So sure. first, throwing out ideas here. Yeah, no, <laughs> so so one of the problems is that. You could never, so like long-term, you could never optimize that. You could never opt, like if somebody buys an hour from you, it's going to take you an hour. Mm-hmm. If somebody buys an outcome from you for $700, it might take you one minute as you get better and better at it over time. No one wants your hour. Like if I could buy an hour from you and like today I get 25 hours and you get 23, that'd be one thing. But that's not what we're really talking about here. When I buy an hour from you, I'm not getting the hour. It's, and our language confuses that fact. You, I don't care if you put in an hour to shoot my wedding if the pictures are all black and, you know, like not, you can't see them. Correct. So do, do you get to say, well, I put in the time you owe me. That was the deal. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. of course not. Like it doesn't pass the sniff test. They want something from a professional photographer shooting their wedding and it's not their time. So one thing, so the one thing is that if you're selling time, you can never optimize it. You have to deliver the time. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. not great. Uh, the other thing is that they don't care about your time anyway. They want an outcome. And the third thing is that the value of the hour is different to every 
person, the, the value of whatever outcome you would be planning on delivering in that hour, it would be different to every different person. So, uh, you know, if I said, um, uh, I don't know if I said, oh, you know, it's a uh, hundred bucks an hour for me to wash your car. That's not gonna, I, I can't, I can't even, I shouldn't even say wash your car. Like, um, I charge a hundred bucks an hour for what, what difference does it make? May I, can I push back on that? Yeah, please. So, and maybe there are, there's nuances, I'm sure, but potentially, I don't know. But like, let's say for a wedding, let's go that route. Like the the one difference is you're actually there covering more hours of the event. Like you're physically there. So let's say that if you're not there for the first dance to stay that extra hour for the first dance, it's not going to get covered, right? So um, it is connected to time in that way. I'm not saying, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's not connected to time. The time is your, one of your major costs, probably your biggest cost, but you know, after sure. glass, but, <laughs> yeah. but the, the, the bride doesn't care. The bride does not care. That's your problem. How long it takes you to do it is your problem. How many photographers you swarm the site with is your problem. The bride wants an outcome. Sure. I don't know what the outcome is. It's probably very similar from bride to bride because it's it's like a, a cultural pattern in the U.S. at least. There's probably a mm -hmm, lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. But you need to find out, ideally, if you're going to value price uh, a gig like that, cost is a factor for you because it cuts into your profits. But for the bride, that's not what they're thinking about. They're nervous that the photos are going to come out bad. They're, they're nervous they're going to look like garbage they want they want to look beautiful they want their husband to look beautiful they want everybody to look beautiful <laughs> whatever they want and you price what they want what is the thing that you want gotcha and have that kind so, of a conversation so okay so then this brings me to my next question so then is in this and the and bah. I'm just like fumbling over my words. You've got me so like, ah, so then, <laughs> so are you individually quoting each, let's say client specifically based off of what they want and need, or are you creating a fixed price based off of what, let's say you've kind of identified your ideal client, what you're expecting most people to want and need, and you've generated a fixed price on that based on the value, or is it each individual person new pricing for you because you value it more than, than that other schmuck and the other schmuck who doesn't value it as much. It'll be less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So great question. I'm glad you brought it up because value pricing, my overarching desire is to have people separate time from money. So, so mm -hmm. disconnect your time from your money. That is what is going to give you leverage in your business that allows you to, uh, parabolically increase your income, not linearly increase your income. So, okay. so their value pricing is just one way to separate your time from your money. So you're thinking about outcomes. Usually you want these to be uh, really big projects, uh, really wealthy buyer. So like fortune 500 companies or like, a, you know, a billionaire bride you want for, for custom stuff it's hard and it's emotionally draining and it's difficult to go through these why conversations with people in the sales interview. So you want there to be a lot of upside for both parties. So it has to be a, you know, in the software world, you, what you want is big, risky, urgent projects where the company is betting their business. That's the perfect case for value, value, uh, base fee F for a bride. I mean, it would be some kind of high stakes wedding. You know, I can't think of a great example, but I'm sure your listeners can think of a very high stakes wedding with a wealthy, you know, person. I don't know. Heads of state are going to be there. I don't know. 
So sure. So, Shot a couple of those. <laughs> so right. So you get well known for a particular thing. You get good word of mouth in that industry. Uh, you create trust, and you you get the phone call when when whatever the princess is going to get married. You get the call. Great, and that's going to be a hundred thousand pounds, whatever. So that's one thing. But there are other ways to do smaller things that I think make uh, a lot of sense for photographers. Okay. So you can have, I would call it, I call it like a product ladder where you've got um, offerings for a particular audience that are at sort of order of magnitude increasing pricing. So maybe you've got something that you sell for 99 bucks and you've got something you sell for 999 bucks and you've got something you sell for 9,000 and you've got something you sell for 90,000. And you can, so you can uh, reach different, it's almost like a pyramid shape. So most people don't have tons of money. So what are you, what are you going to do for them? They all want the same thing. They want their wedding to look beautiful. They want all of the, the guests to look beautiful. The bride wants to look beautiful. They want certain things. So you could say, oh, for 99 bucks, here's a, uh, some kind of info product or workbook, or here are the, here are the posing things. Here's how to, here's what to tell your guests to, you know, shoot your own wedding, have your guests shoot your own wedding and still look beautiful by following these instructions. So this would probably make most photographers gag even thinking about it. But let's say that your mission in life is to make every bride, you know, look beautiful on her wedding day in her photos, like capture her memories in a way that are better than reality. Okay. That's a good mission. That's kind of nice. So how, in, and at the high end, it's, you know, for 50, I don't know how much people charge for weddings. I'm sure it's quite a bit, but let's say, you know, 50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars for a wedding. You could probably hire enough people. And even if you weren't that great, you could probably hire a bunch of great photographers to come in and do a great job of that wedding and deliver the outcome that the bride wants. But what do you do for the brides that can't afford that kind of thing? Well, like I said, you could have a, a lower offering on your product ladder. That's a hundred bucks, 99 bucks, something like that, that, that gives them the information they need or their guests need, or, uh, or an amateur photographer friend that's going to do it for them that will give them the pros and you know, not the pros and cons, but like the top 10 things they need to do posing guide, lighting, blah, 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 blah. And this probably all exists on the internet in, in all over the place, but just to give you an idea of one thing that's popping into my head. So then, up, okay. so then what could, what could I do for a bride like this? Who's only got a thousand dollars to spend on photography. I can't show up there with a bunch of stuff and an assistant and all these lights and all, you know, all of these things, but maybe I can do something for them. I don't know what, maybe they can, uh, I, I have no idea what, but you could come up with some kind of productized service that is packaged and marketed and sold like a product, like a lamp from target. It's like, it's, it's feels like it has a box. It has, you know, benefits. It has these ingredients. It's going to go mm -hmm. like this, but then you deliver it in person where, um, where it's delivered like a service. So maybe, maybe you just do the, um, uh, hair and makeup when they're getting their hair and makeup done, or maybe they, she comes into the studio in advance and does something that's, that's very fixed scope. It's very under control for you because you you've done it a million times and you can optimize it and optimize it and optimize it, still charge a thousand dollars and get it down to like one hour. So, okay, that's interesting. And then maybe you've got a $10,000 version of this where it's like a very specific deliverable, a very specific outcome that they can expect to get from this productized service but it has nothing to do with time. So you can keep decreasing your time through expertise and standard operating procedures and, you know, developers do it with, uh, open source code bases and libraries and, and boilerplate code. 
and get faster and faster and faster at doing a great or better job of this thing. But the price doesn't go down because it's taking you less time. The price, the profits actually go up. So for example, this is what I'm hearing you say. Let's say that this would exist maybe as, um, a collection like different wedding collections and and instead of you saying you know you're going to get six hours of time in this collection maybe instead you would say like um uh we will cover uh getting ready photographs Mm -hmm. and that and correct me if i'm wrong here jonathan but you know you're you're promising a certain deliverable you're promising an outcome but getting rid of getting ready photographs Maybe you're able to pull that off and you know that you only need to be there at the end of hair and makeup because those are the photographs with the finishing touches that the bride was actually going to want. She's not going to want necessarily. Like, is, is that making sense? Am I, am I getting close? Yeah. So so the, the idea of putting together a productized service is that you pick something that's relatively fixed scope. It's not going to change from bride to bride in this case. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like a known entity. There's not that many variables. So you can set a price for it that's profitable to you, and then you can market it to people who are good f- for whom it is a good fit. So you know, and it's like if if like ah this isn't quite right, then you're like okay, it's not for you, or this price seems too high. Okay, it's not for you. Try our, our hundred dollar offering where I teach your guests how to shoot your wedding or whatever, shoot your, yeah. your day of. So, and I see this resulting too. I see this playing out well with artwork at the end, like, like printed media at the end of the wedding, like in the IPS and the post sales. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that you, the danger here, because I know photographers are big into packages and trying to upsell the package, upsell the package. The, the thing that's a little bit dangerous here, I think with, uh, especially with photography, and I'm going to get flamed for this for sure, but <laughs> the idea of selling I actually, let's not even talk about photography. It's too emotional. It's software. <laughs> You're going to get hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> so, I like it. Software. We, we could talk about so, like all these software developers. Yeah, let's rag on them. Okay, it's good. Right. So any any piece of your deliverable that's cut and pasteable, infinitely reproducible for free is a bad idea to sell. Don't sell that. Sell the thing that people can't copy and paste to create more of. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole, I could go on for an hour about watermarks and, and, you know, I want the, I want them to be able to see the photos, but not be able to see the photos. I mean, I've, I've literally had to write software to create watermarks that, <laughs> that only cover a certain part of the image. Cause if you can't see the eyes and the mom's not going to buy it, you know, it's, it's like, you're selling the wrong thing. Or here's another example. I have a, I've got a mu- music background okay. and the music business these days has completely flipped. The business model is completely flipped. It used to be that you would go on the road and tour to sell your album. It's the other way now. Now you make all your money on tour and the album is to promote the shows. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. photographers need to meditate on that. If I was going to give one big piece of business advice to photographers, it'd be to meditate on that concept that there's an experience that cannot be copy and pasted, cannot be stolen. It cannot be shared. It's special. It's limited. It's scarce. And if you're creating that experience, no one can steal it. But if you're, if you're just selling digital, I mean, I've seen people walk up to, uh, you know, a $20 eight by 10 glossy of them and then pull out their phone and take a picture of it and leave. Sure. Right. That do, do not fight that battle. Do not fight that battle. It's, it's going to go one way and that way is down. <laughs> so anyway, I agree with you. So I agree with here's you. the thing that this is why I got on the soapbox about that is that you need to be careful when you're selling photography packages that you're not selling the deliverable primarily. 
like, yeah, you're going to get mugs and you're going to get this wall print and you're going to get that stuff. And, and wouldn't that be great? But you, that's not the main thing. It's not the main thing. It might be part of the conversation and that's what you get. But what you want to sell is the experience. What is the outcome that the bride wants? The thing that you would guarantee, you know, so it's like, mm-hmm. You can guarantee that, you know, I'm, oh, I'm going to give you 75 wallet size photos or whatever, but they might all be terrible. What's the thing you want to guarantee? You want to guarantee that they're going to, uh, I don't know, uh, they're just, these memories are going to be better than the reality that they'll, that they will last forever, that they will uh, want to show them to their friends and then let them take the, let them do whatever they want with the photos. Yeah. I don't disagree. Jonathan, this is wild. This is fun. I bet you just like shattered a lot of people's, uh, the whole thought, pro- like the whole thought process for the day is completely, they're like th- this done. They're like fried. They're done. They were like going to go and book some people and now they're just wrestling with life. Um, <laughs> this is awesome. Jonathan, where can, where can people like stay in this conversation? Where can people find you online and, and just keep wrestling with this and, and learn more about how they could actually begin to apply this to their business? Sure. The best place to go would be to valuepricingbootcamp.com. And sign up for my, uh, it's like a free seven day uh, email course that goes nice. into each of these topics in more depth, the difference between a fixed price and a value price and what's wrong with hourly billing and all of these things, how to implement it. Um, and if, if you have any hate mail about how little I know about photography, you can hit me up by just uh, replying to any one of those emails and it goes straight to my inbox. <laughs> That's good. I'll forward you anything that I get, Jonathan, just so you know. It'd be the- <laughs> I'm sure my, my audience is very generous. They'll be nice. <laughs> um, Jonathan, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time today to just uh, drop some some pretty, um, pretty wild ideas. <laughs> my, well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Podcast listeners, I hope that you feel moved by this. I hope that this is a, a kind of bringing up some interesting concepts, some interesting ideas uh, for you to wrestle with this. And I want to leave with this, you guys. If you if you found yourself, found yourself at all during this conversation thinking to yourself, yeah, Ben, yeah, Jonathan, but that doesn't work for our industry. That doesn't work for photography. I, I want to encourage you to pause on that. That's, that's actually... Like that should be a sign that something may be a little off. It may be like, like mark that. If you ever hear like, nah, this isn't for me. That's not for my industry. Just pay it, pay attention at that point because some of the, 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 the biggest, most impactful things that have affected our studio, that have affected this interview, that, that have affected even personally my own, my own growth have been stuff that, that ph- the photography industry has not been caught up to yet. <laughs> it's not that it's not for our industry. Sometimes we're just not quite there. And just pay attention to this stuff. Wrestle with it. I'm not saying that you have to do this, but pay attention. If you ever want to think to yourself, no, this isn't for me, then maybe it's exactly for you. Um, there's, there's a lot of value of what Jonathan just expressed, right? And, uh, and again, maybe don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Maybe there's something, there's a, there's a portion there. And so I encourage you go check out Jonathan's seven day, uh, course, check out the boot camp uh, and, and see what's there. You guys, thank you so much uh, for entertaining this. Thank you so much uh, for considering this, for wanting to grow your business and for listening to the six figure photography podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. 